1: a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years, is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Grayling van I know him as Gray, has a fascinating background. He is a young South African who decided to join the French Legionnaires. Once he had finished his contract with the French Legionnaires, he obviously could speak French and had this military warfare background now that resulted in a very unique skill set that applied to a very specific component of wildlife conservation, which is anti-poaching. Gray runs the anti-poaching unit for Mayo Dury in Northern Cameroon and Eastern Cameroon and their jungle block. He manages over 1 million hectares. That's 2.2 2 million acres. That's about the state of Rhode Island times three under the conservation ethos of one individual
3: protecting it all. An amazing conversation. Mm-hmm. I hope you enjoyed. it. We should start again from the beginning now because there's no lag and the video is perfect. It's freaking. We
1: should do take number three. No, it's all good. You're experiencing load shedding, my friend.
3: The South African uh, beautiful thing that is load shedding. It's ridiculous. I can't
4: even. I'm so angry right
1: now. I'm so angry. No, man. It's all good. It's all good. Where we where we left off was I was saying that um, you you. You have, you, you have lion, you are protecting lions, you have no lion on quota, so you cannot hunt lions, so you're protecting lions without them typically having a value, right? The pay-it-stays model doesn't apply here yeah. because you can't use the lion, okay? But you're protecting yeah. it anyway because that's what we do. We protect habitat, we protect wildlife. But there's all these cattle everywhere, which I would think would be a very, very good prey base for lions. And Knowing that the cattle are,
2: you know, currency essentially. Are lions being taken
3: out left, right, and center?
4: Yes. Um, These cattle, these nomad um, herders, they are actually. So last year, we just for a quick example, quick story. Last year, November, we caught a cattle, a nomad guy. He specializes in in trapping lions. So he built his is lion traps about five, six, seven of them, all of them spreading. They're spread out in different sectors of, of the hunting concession. And then he build them with branches and leaves and, and everything in a rectangular shape. The small opening in the okay. beginning, uh, with a cable, with a snare, covering that, that entry point, basically. And then right in the middle, he puts it on a dead corpse of a sheep or a lamb or a, a calf or whatever. And then and then that lion smells that bait, he walks inside, gets his head stuck in that snare. And then that guy kills it with a, with a club. Basically beats his brain, bashes his brains in. So uh. these, these nomads, they have a lot of... I have a big problem with lion and leopard with predators <laughs> around them because they move with a lot of cattle and a lot of sheep and a lot of lamb and goats and everything and a lot of donkeys and everything. So it's easy prey for the lion. So when the lions, for example, catch, they go to whatever they poison, and then they poison these nomads, they poison that caucus. They put in poison into that caucus for those lions to come back. Uh. and and eat that carcass again so either way we're losing lion and leopard we're losing them, even hyenas we're losing them even jackal um the predator population in cameroon is so so scared basically there's those little pockets left of leopard and lion left in cameroon they're getting destroyed and poached out by these normal people because they got no remorse they don't they don't care if it's a female male cub they kill everything and then they sell that they sell that meat and then they sell that skin because lion skin very expensive leopard skin very expensive
2: Mm.
4: so that's why Mm. the predators is very high on top of their list of animals
3: So, Grayling, one of the things that someone will say is the poachers
1: that are coming in, would you say, let me ask this question first. The poaching of meat, the poaching of animals on the ground with snare lines and whatnot, what percentage is the locals, like the villagers that are
2: there permanently, versus the nomads?
4: Okay, so... So you get your nomads right and you get the villages, the village people around that's also poaching they're also poaching but they poach with they go for like antelope they go for like little antelope like dikers or um what do you call it uh, the western Cop or something like that they move in with with firearms and then they shoot and then they move out they shoot and move out well like I can say, the percentage between the two groups of poachers that we have is basically 50 50, but basically 50 50 about the two because you, it's two different poachers, two different types of poachers. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. the matter. but are they, they doing the same? Are they,
3: are they, are they, are they are, yeah, but are they selling like for instance,
1: okay, so you said 50 50. Yeah, of the groups that are 50 50. Which, are they both poaching to then sell the meat to generate money, or is one using it more for sustenance and for protein and whatnot? Because here's the dichotomy, right? And I think you you
3: experience it daily because you're there. How can you fault a guy for going to go get a a daker or a
1: cob Mm. to feed his family? Especially if you're saying, I'm only hunting four months out of the year, five months out of the year where you give meat in those four to five months, the rest of the months, like, you know, I, I, you're not giving me meat. I need to sustain my, I want to provide protein to my family. I'm not going to kill my cows or my goats or whatnot. Can you fault the, uh, You know, it's, it's, it's a difficult scenario, right? Yeah,
4: it's a very difficult scenario. and everything. So, yeah, there is people that poach for food. A lot of them does that. And there's a lot of people that they poach and then they sell that meat to the local population and then they go buy booze or cigarettes or whatever, drugs or whatever whether it or more ammunition to go on the next hunt basically. It's very difficult because I know it's a very poor country. The people are poor. Um, but there are types of categories, you understand? So if we get a guy like, he shot a western cop for example and we caught him with the meat and the way that he he killed it for example okay so he got a gun it's unlicensed or whatsoever we're going to punish him on the unlicensed firearm N- not so much on the cop because that is a species that there's a lot of them understand and then his sentence is not going to be that harsh his sentence is going to be that harsh. but if he shoots like two of them with the water buck. With a buffalo, or two cops, or three cops, then his sentence is going to be a little bit more harsher. It's going to, it's, it's to be—he's going to spend a little bit more time in prison if he's got like more than one antelope with him. You understand?
3: Uh
2: huh.
4: Uh huh. Yeah, That's it's a difficult, difficult scenario
2: it's because difficult.
3: it is—it's yeah. difficult because you want—you know, these guys
1: essentially are the locals. This is their land. You know, we're accused of coming in, hunting concessions are accused of coming in and sort of fortification type conservation, keep everyone out, isolate out. Um, and it's a slippery slope, right? You, you want to be able, you know, you want the villagers to be able to hunt if they want to hunt. You want the villagers to be able to provide protein for themselves and their families, right? Yeah. And you also... But then, you know, when it starts getting to the point of bushmeat sales, that's where the sort of pendulum starts swinging, right? And that, that becomes more of an economic endeavor and not a family sustenance endeavor. And it starts, that, that becomes a very slippery slope to a point where then it's like, oh, it's full, as you say, full scale, it goes from
3: one cob to two cob to five cob to, five cob to buffalo and whatnot, right? Exactly. Yeah, so that's
4: why we need to, need to regulate that scenario we need to regulate everything but they understand also they can't go into that hunting area they can't go in because there's small part of our hunting area that we gave to the population right next to our uh, our hunting zone you understand so we gave that to them so in that hunting zone in that little piece of area there is still animals left for them to hunt so they can do their own hunting on on the side they don't need to come into our hunting concession they know it, it is illegal to go into the hunting concession because they consider the hunting concession like the like the national for basically they know exactly they going not go in there but there is still animals moving outside the hunting concession moving into their territory that we gave to them to do their plantation their farming and everything. there's still animals moving there uh-huh. And I've got no authority to stop him there. So if he, if he snares a a small diker or a cob or whatever, that, that's for him. But don't do it in the hunting concession. Don't do it. Uh-huh. Because we employ the people from the local villages around each hunting contest. We employ them. We give them jobs. We give them food. We give them clothing. We give them salaries. We give them everything what they need they just need to do the job so they don't need to come and and, and poach or, or, or whatever there's a lot of poachers that i've caught, that a lot that i apprehended and then i'm like listen your bud do you wanna do you want to come and work for me do you want to come and do anti-poaching because he knows the bush he knows the animals he knows our poacher things. so i give him like another chance like a second or third chance uh-huh. to come back and do uh-huh. the right thing you understand
2: uh-huh. so,
4: that's basically what we're doing with the local people. Try to help them to understand it with better about the conservation, about the animals, and what they can do in can
3: How much uh, the national park? You're not allowed to hunt. Is there any ego tourism in the national park?
4: It's not a lot. There is, but it's not a lot. It's not a lot of like tourists from America coming in, or France, or Spain, or whatever they're coming in to come. Basically, the thing that is generating the most money in government is non That's the thing helping the
3: most people so, in government. So, I'm not going to say
1: zero. So, little, there's, not, there's, there's a small amount of ecotourism happening in the national park. If you, based on your experience, if the buffer ring around the national park, if they said tomorrow, Hunting. We're banning hunting in Cameroon because we think that there
2: is a better land use that can come in and protect the land. No. no, but I don't think that can be the best thing because if I'm a tourist,
4: for example, I go to a country. I want to go and see animals. I want to be. Comfortable, you understand? I want to be comfortable with comfortable roads and Comfortable cars and everything. I want to I'm gonna live comfortable, you understand? It's it's not, don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm saying Yeah, the national parks, their accommodation is not Up to standard. It's very nice. It's very beautiful. It's it's perfect actually. But just the way the way to get into Cameroon, for example, Cameroon is very difficult as a tourist Mm.
2: So
4: They are more accommodating with the hunters no, excuse me, the hunters are bringing a lot more money in than than uh-huh. tourist people, They're for photographic tourism. They know the Cameroon government know there's a lot more money coming in from hunting from hunters and hun- hunting societies basically or companies.
2: Than, uh-huh. The uh-huh. tourism
4: sector. But hopefully one day the tourism sector can grow into something bigger and better that's why we are talking also with authorities like my Safari is also talking with authorities to do basically in, a, in the off season um to come into off season to to bring in tourists tourists to come and stay in our in, in our hunting camp but they're not going to hunt they're just going to be be there on a photo safari you understand that's why the even right. the government approached a lot of hunting companies to make that thing happen. Uh-huh. So, even us as a hunting side, we, we want to see more tourists coming into Cameroon because
2: that's, that's better. It's good. It's good overall. Exactly. On. Yeah, it's overall good. Uh
1: uh-huh. Well, Grayling, when do you, you you said you're going back to the bush in in less than a month? Um, how long are you going to be in the bush the next for your next stint?
4: until December. I'm going to be back in December again, back
2: home for Christmas.
3: Well, look, man, we appreciate you. We appreciate what you do. Um, don't, don't,
1: don't forget, the first thing you do when you get to Cameroon is only pictures of your motorbikes and the people riding your motorbikes, okay, for my videos. Number one. Number two, Keep sending us photos, keep sending us video of all the great work that you're doing, man. Uh, We're very proud of you. Um, I I look forward one day to shaking your hand. Um, But thank you. Thank you for protecting the
4: wildlife that you do, man. Thank you very much, Bobby. Appreciate it. And yes, my first thing, I will send you those videos quick as possible (laughs) because, yeah, (laughs) <laughs> I was promising you videos on motorbikes with the time and everything and then um, I, I haven't sent it to you yet, so sorry for no, that. No, you're busy, you're busy I'm chasing poachers, man, <laughs> I understand. I'm busy, but I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm very busy, but that's the thing, I wanted, I wanted to, show, I want to show you that, so I will do it as quick as possible, and maybe I'll meet you uh, next year if you're at the SCI show in, um, in uh, where's it, Tennessee, I think. We'll be Nashville. In Two, right three three oh hours goodness. from where I am right now. Yeah, but I will be there next well, year, February, right?
1: I'll be there. Yes, sir.
4: <laughs> Thanks, All right, Grayling. You have a great, uh, you have a great day, okay? YouTube uh, too, Rob. Enjoy your day. Cheers, man. Ciao.
3: Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always.